we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 612. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, um, what are we talking about? Give a tease. Well, we're going to talk about change. We're going to talk about contentment. And then I also wanted to share an Olympic story that I found very interesting. Oh, all right. So we're going to be a little bit of here, a little bit of there. Yeah. Change being that I don't know, I know that we're kind of all over the place depending on where you're living in regards to when kids are going back to school or heading to college. But I kind of feel like there's this time of year, if you're to go back to our podcasts from the over the last 10 years, this time of year... I usually start talking about how hard change is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how much I dislike going from summer to fall. I I like fall, but the transition for me is really rough. Transitions. Yes, transition is change, and and it's rough physically. It's rough emotionally. I I don't like the feeling, and I um, it's almost it's like a it's like a big hump that what I need to get over because once I get to fall, I'm like, oh, it's fall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's hard. Sweetie, I know, I know what we need to do. What? We just need to we just need to roll with it. I don't want to. It's a good philosophy for life. Steve Winwood, dead or alive. Alive. He's not making much music these days. He might be. He might be writing music or yeah. producing. You don't know what he's doing. I don't know. What do I know? Um First, I want to mention a few things. One is Zen Parenting Radio is doing a NAMI walk. Uh, NAMI stands for National Alliance of Mental Illness. It's on September 18th in Chicago. But I know we have listeners all over the country, and NAMI is an organization that we believe in. We are big fans of. We've been doing this walk for over 10 years. And if you're in Chicago, we'd love for you to join our team. If you're not in Chicago, we'd love for you to join our team. To find out more, the walk in Chicago is September 18th. Um, but they have walks all over the country this fall. So if you're interested, just scroll up in the show notes of this podcast and you'll be able to uh, join our team and find out where more walks are. And if you have any questions, obviously go to Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. But first, we're going to talk about the Zen Parenting Moment, which comes out twice a week. And Kathy's latest entry, she wrote, and it was titled Contentment, and it had a song in it. Uh, for the first line. Yeah. If you're lost in a zone, or you're sinking like a stone, carry on. May your past be the sound of your feet upon the ground. Carry on. Carry on, carry on. Carry on. That's another good you know, life philosophy. I was just thinking that. I was thinking, oh, Todd will probably say, yeah, carry on while you roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, and I love that song. I, I feel love- like I missed out on, uh, the name of the band is Fun, correct? Fun, F-U, and it's small F-U-N with a period after it. And um, I, sometimes I'm just a little late to the party. 
because that I, I love that band, but I don't think I ever appreciate them when they were still because they're broken up, right? Well, I, I don't know if they're broken up for good, but they definitely haven't made an album. And you know, Jack Antonoff is in fun, right? Oh, no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's his band. So, for the listeners who don't know who that guy is, who is Jack Antonoff? Yeah, you're not speaking into the microphone. Sorry, I'm trying to put in my high speed. The reason I know that you're not speaking in the microphone is sometimes I listen to when I'm listening to Dax's podcast, you can hear them talking off their mic. Yeah. Well, it makes it more realistic, sweetie. I know, but it's like, uh, but then someone wants to know what you said. See, it's just us too. Yeah. Um, so Jack Antonoff. Jack Antonoff. Well, he is a musician, but he's also a producer and he's a songwriter and he and he has been a producer and songwriter with Taylor Swift for her last couple albums. Got it. So he's also won some Grammys with her. Um, and then the, the lead singer, his name's Nate something, but I really like his voice. And Yeah, me too. He did a great song with Pink that I really love. Anyway, fun. What was the inspiration regarding Contender? So it's about the fact that uh, the way I used to view the world is like if something was going on that stressed me out, I'd be like, okay, I got to figure this thing out. And then once I figure it out, everything in life will be fine. And once I get through this moment, then everything in life will be fine. And then once I get an answer to this question, then I can be content. And what I know for sure now, if someone, if Oprah hadn't used what I know for sure, maybe mm-hmm. I would have called Zen what I know for sure. Yeah. Because these, that's what all these are about is like something that I've realized is that things come up over and over and over and over again. If you're waiting to be content until everything is complete um, and that you have no issue or no worry or no challenge, then you're going to always be waiting because there's always going to be something. I totally agree with everything you just said. And I feel like, you know, once again, I think our brain likes to think in the binary, like, okay, is, you know, whatever, whatever I'm struggling with today, I didn't get any work done today. And if I get enough work done tomorrow, then everything will be fine. But just like everything that we ever talk about, it's all a bunch of grades. Like sometimes when things are awful, you your contentment is zapped. But when something is just kind of a bummer, aren't we more predisposed to have at least a little more contentment in our lives? Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's always this gray area of how bad something sucks is inversely correlated with how content we are. I think there could be some truth to that, but I also think that we should push back on that and that one thing I have also learned is that in the midst of a really hard, challenging thing, like, you know, someone being sick or mm-hmm. having, or yourself, you know, you being sick or having to take care of others or worrying about your kids, you can have moments in the middle of that where you're content. It doesn't, I think the the difference is that, People think that contentment is a place you should reach yeah. and then stay. Yeah. And I am saying that you can find contentment in the midst of anything. And that if you're waiting to experience contentment until everything is taken care of, if it be big or small, then, you know, it, I'll just read this part that I wrote. Life contentment does not come from getting rid of every problem. It comes from knowing that you can handle what you're experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't need to wait to be happy until everything is resolved. We can take a wider perspective, realize that things are always changing, falling apart, and then coming together again. Well, and I'll go against my own words of what I just said. I feel like sometimes, like, let's think of the the worst case scenario, like Uh somebody's sick in the hospital, a loved one is sick in the hospital. We sometimes uh, give the same energy of being late for work with somebody being sick in the hospital. So in other words, we're making 
all these kind of everyday bummers as big as the real life yeah. long-term bummers. And interestingly, I think, and this is my personal experience, is that I do better in a real crisis than I do in a mini crisis. Yeah. Because when there is a real crisis, I pretty much snap to action and I am not worried about certain things. Yeah, everything can fall away. You know, the whole idea of sifting, you know, that that's what the word crisis means is to sift. Um, and that everything easily sifts away. The word crisis means to sift? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So I actually got that from Glennon's book called Carry On Warrior. She There's a part in it where she talks about the word crisis. It's, I think it's a Greek word mm-hmm. and it comes from to sift, you know, like that you allow one thing to rise as being most important. And in a weird way, we would never ask for crisis, nor do we want it or nor is it enjoyable, but sometimes it can be manageable because we know where to focus. When you think of sifting Mm -hmm. in baking or food, Mm -hmm. is there a certain substance you think that it gets sifted a lot. Powdered sugar. That's what I think. Or flour. We need to invest in a sifter in this family because we usually, we usually use strainers and it just doesn't... Oh, you got to get the clicky sifter. I know. Click, we click, don't click, have it. Okay. And we use the strainers and it's just not the same. No. No, we need a clicky one. Yeah. We need a clicky... I don't even know what a clicky sifter It's that is. where you like, you take the handle and you go click, 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 and it like sifts. It's like you see people who make donuts and stuff use them. All right. I might have to get that. The clicky sifter, I think they call it. Um, anything else on contentment before we move on? No, I think that's good. Um, so can I do my, um, the moment, my uh, Olympic moment that I want yes. to talk about? So do you know about Allison Felix in the, in the Olympics? That would be a big negative. Okay, so Allison Felix, she's a mom. And a couple of years ago, after she gave birth to her daughter, she was given a pay cut by Nike. That was Mm. her sponsor. Okay. So what she did is she joined two other Olympians, um, Alicia Montano, uh, Montano, when, with the, how do I say that? Montano. With the the, like little, little curvy thing on the end. I want to say it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Montano. Yeah. I'd I'd have to look at it. Okay. I think I'm saying it correctly. And Kara Goucher or Goucher, um, she joined these Olympians and they broke their non-disclosure agreement. So non-disclosure agreement. So they could talk about this issue that they were basically given a pay cut because they became moms, Mm. you know, that they were basically what Nike said is now that you've given birth, you aren't worth as much. Yeah. Okay. Less valuable for producing life. Correct. You are less pushing a a baby through your stuff. So, (laughs) You push. How about we just say giving birth to a child? Pushing a baby out. Yeah, we'll just try and give it the respect it deserves. Agreed. Um, so here's what's interesting. She's coming home from Tokyo with 11 medals. Wow. So she <laughs> is actually more valuable as a mom if yes. she's getting 11 medals. And so, and she actually wrote an op-ed um, that I actually was able to read today when I was reading the story in 2019 about this. Um, and I'll just read to you a few things. She, she, you know, she talks about the women that she joined with. We all broke our non-disclosure agreements. Um, and it says they told stories that we athletes know are true and have been too afraid to say publicly. If we have children, we risk pay cuts from our sponsors during pregnancy and afterward. It's one example of a sports industry where the rules are still mostly made for and by men. Yeah. And she said, um, you know, she kind of gives her story. 
Um, and she talks about she was 32 and she was like, I'd, I'd want to be a mom. Like, yeah. this is what's so interesting is it's like the, the mixed messages from society about you are only a woman if you're a mom. But if you are in work and you decide to be a mom, you're less valued and if you decide that, you know, you want to have more than one child, then there's no way you could do this job. You know, it's just such an interesting, like, it, women really in this situation that we're in, similar to what she's talking about here, depending on who you work for is what I'm saying, you really have to choose. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird to say that in 2021 because, you know, we like to say things like, you know, we can be moms you can and be, you, can, you can have it all. You can have it all. Well, and, and I don't believe that sentence. I've never had. Right. But, but we've heard it. We've heard times. it. That's true. Um, so it, it just. And, is, the, and the truth is you can't because you're playing in a rigged system. Correct. It's a rigged system. So she said that after she gave birth to her child and she actually had to give birth to her child via cesarean, by the way, because she had preeclampsia. It says, meanwhile, negotiations were not going well at Nike. Despite all my victories, Nike wanted to pay... I don't say Nike, right? It's Nike. Why do I always say Nike? I think it's Nike. It is Nike. Yeah. Okay. Nike wanted to pay me 70% less than before. So basically, she like as she's giving birth, there's negotiations going on. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to give her 70% less. Yep. So one thing I have to say, because this is at the top of the article and this point has been made a million times, update, following this report, after broad public outcry and a congressional inquiry, this was in 2019 when it was written, Nike announced a new maternity policy for all sponsored athletes, okay? So now there's a new policy in place. They fixed that problem. Not but to I, say there's not more out there. But. Right. And I think, if I remember correctly, this is not part of this story, but Allison Felix actually has her own shoe line now. Oh. Which is interesting too, right? Which is amazing. Yeah. And she's coming home with 11 medals. Did she really win 11? Or yes. Did, did her team, that sounds like a lot. Like Michael Phelps, like Michael Phelps didn't win 11. I she won 11 medals in this? Now she's coming home from Tokyo with 11 medals. Wow. Now, maybe maybe she, some Part of them of are Part of relays or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they maybe were all, but she's got the yeah, medals. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Do you want me to look it up just to make sure? Um, It just seems like a Saint huge Felix number, but I mean, I believe you. I just, medals. I didn't pay that much attention to uh, the Olympics because every time I turned it on, there was more handball. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Olympic uh, network people, less handball, more trampoline jam gymnastics, please. Oh, boy. Um, and more table tennis. <laughs> Love the ball, sweetie. Love the ball. Love the ball. We, so while we were watching table tennis, we had so much fun because if, for those of you who watch, if we can, can we call it ping pong? It's ping pong. Table tennis. Table tennis. Okay. They would hold the ball in their hand and look at it like with so much love. Before they served. Before they served it. So every time we'd watch, we'd go, love, love it. Love the ball. Love, love it. it. And then they'd hit it. Um, so I'm, I don't why, have- Why don't you find it while I talk about Team Zen and then we'll get into the guts of the uh, So I, I can answer the question. Oh, okay. Felix's 11th medal ah. made her the most decorated American track and field athlete in Olympic history, surpassing Carl Lewis. Got it. So I think that's- She in didn't total, win. Yeah, that's yes. not from these games. Correct. Yep. Kudos. Tipping my cap to this woman who- 
Allison Felix. Allison Felix for delivering babies and running really fast. Absolutely. And and wow, she can actually do both. She can do it all. As we as you know, we know that she could. And so yes, I just wanted to share that. Um, and before we get into the main uh, focus of today, I do want to talk about Team Zen. Uh, it's the best part of what we do. We spend time with our listeners twice a month on Zoom. It's a community of parents who come together. And we connect as mu- you get to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents. So we just did our last one last week, Zen Talk number 125, and we talked about driving lessons, night terrors, divorce, and lazy sons. So if you're, and they're not really lazy, by the way. That's what we figured out, right? Um, well, I think we're all a little lazy. Well, but what we talked about, oh, okay. I remember the discussion we talked about that he was calling himself lazy and that she was trying to talk him out of calling himself lazy. And then we talked about how really you don't need to do that. You just need to have your boundaries and expectations about what he needs to do. Yeah. I think if you call your son lazy, it's probably not going to go really well. Well, she didn't. Do you remember the story? He yeah. called himself that. Oh, did he? He said, um, I don't want to do it because I'm lazy. Oh. And she was like, why would you want people to think that about mm. you? And he's like, I don't care. Mm. And so basically we yeah, said, don't even some, get involved. It's an apathy. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in doing that, and I haven't talked to you about this yet, sweetie, but I would like to uh, donate, say, 20% of our September Team Zen revenue to NAMI. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. So if you join the team in August or September, now the first month is free, but if you stay with us for a month, we're going to donate 20% of everything that we get on Team Zen to NAMI. So we're hoping that uh, people join the team. Um, And even if you don't want to be on uh, these Zen Talks live, you can always go back and listen to them after the fact, or if you just want to support us, um, we would love for you to be on the team. So check it out, Team Zen. Uh, zero pressure, 100% support. That is our tagline. And there'll be a lot of stuff coming soon about my book. I, um, in, and I hope we talk about it on Team Zen and I'm hoping Team Zen. That's what we should do. We should give away some inside information to Team Zen. That's a good idea. I'm Mm going to write that down soon. Okay. Yeah. Not quite sure how that'll play out, but. Um, so if you're interested, uh, first month's free, 25 bucks a month. Uh, just go into the show notes or just go to zentparentingradio.com. All right. Um, you know, on that note, I want to ask for something else. Um, no, I'm, I'll do that later. Forget it okay. regarding the book. Okay. So change or transitions. I think I like your word better. Transitions. As I said, there are probably every year we've done Zen parenting. So this is probably the 10th or 11th time. I always bring up how challenging fall is for me. I don't know if everybody feels similarly. I know some people have emailed me and said this transition is hard for them too. I have also heard from parents that this is their favorite transition because their kids go back to school. Yeah, we get our time back. Um, So this is not about, I'm not necessarily right or wrong. It's just the way I feel. And I think it's because it's when I feel the passage of time the most. Um, You know, my daughter graduated from high school um, in May. May. And that was a wonderful ceremony, and I'm so grateful that we got to have a ceremony, and it was momentous. Um, but I didn't really feel it. Mm. I, I was we just kind of went through it, and because she spent two and a, two and a half of her four years at high school, and the other year and a half was basically at home. 
that that, but it, it's really more about that I didn't feel it because she was going to come home after graduation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So she had yeah, that much change. No, no. I was like, yeah, that's a nice ceremony, and I'm glad we to, we got to celebrate. We had a little family party, and then you know she came home and she's been in her bed every night. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Except when she went on her two-week road trip. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah. Yeah. We should have her on. I know. My daughter, my oldest daughter, who's 18, she went on a two-week road trip with her best friend, and they camped in a bunch of national parks. Mm -hmm. And they were just, it was just the two of them. And I thought I lost her in Glacier, but I didn't. Turns out. She wasn't lost. She wasn't lost, but she it was scary for for mom. This is no way to run a desert, right? I know. I was that's I was thinking those. What things. movie is that from? It's sweetie? from Vacation. Very good. Um, but I felt like that kind of like she's gone in the middle with pants on her head, you know, just like just like old Clark Griswold. Clark W. Griswold. So anyway, I so I don't really feel it in the spring, and then the summer I really enjoy, like. Um, it's you less wind scheduled. down your productivity. I really do. I don't teach in the summer. Um, I, I just, especially this summer, I did a lot of writing and, you know, obviously we did the podcast, but everything else was just not top priority. Mm-hmm. And I really felt freer. You know, I felt more like, oh, this whole day I'm with the girls, fine. I didn't have meetings. I didn't have, so, you know moving now from not only summer to fall, but also the fact that my daughter is going to college in two weeks is really hard for me. Um, and I don't really want to talk about my daughter going to college too much yet because I still have two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I know I've shared this quote before on this podcast, but I'll share it again, or at least I'll try and paraphrase it because I tell people this all the time. The, the Michael J. Fox quote about, he said that he doesn't worry about things that are going to happen because he doesn't want to have to experience something difficult twice. (laughs) And I think that that's so cool, Um, meaning that I kind of made a deal with myself that my daughter leaves on August 22nd, so I'm not going to dress rehearse August 22nd. I kind of wanted to give our one other kid that same advice because she decided that she is going to start worrying about her transition to school. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, which gives her eight days of worrying. I said, well, why don't you just shave it two or three days where you can enjoy the next five and then just worry about it the the two or three days that precedes her first day of classes. And she said with conviction, I know myself, I need this much time to get ready and to get equipped. So, uh, but part of me wanted her to do the Michael J. Fox thing. Well, you know, she and I made that decision at the beginning of the summer. And Mm -hmm. so the way that you heard it from her probably sounded like, wow, you're going to worry that long. But at the beginning of the summer, she was concerned. And I said, let's not even think about it until the 10th. Yeah. And so in a way, she was able to totally do that. And I think we just need to replace the word worry with prepare. Yeah. Because... I need that much time to prepare. She and I were, you would, um, actually, the two of you went and got her a journal today, yeah. not a journal, a Calendar. day planner. Yeah. yeah. Planner. And she's writing things in it about what she's going to do to get ready. And I think that's actually very healthy. Yeah. Um, we just maybe need to play with that word because yeah. I don't like that word, you know, worry about it for prep. Day. Yeah. Prep. We need to prepare and plan. And so, anyway, so I'll talk about. JC going to college after she goes to college because I it's too much for me right now. But so end of summer. I'm also um I'm super bummed that we have to think so intensely about COVID again. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm not gonna use the word afraid because that's not really how I'm feeling. Um I just it's it we really 
moved to a space where it was not top on my mind yeah. and things felt not necessarily normal. I don't like that word, but it just wasn't top of my mind. Yeah. And now we just know, you know, especially those of you who are in the healthcare industry who are going through like a another wave. Um, I don't know how many waves, you know, for those of you who are nurses and doctors and just caregivers of any kind. Um, I don't know what wave you call this. Is yeah. this the fifth? Is this the third? Is this the seventh? Who knows? But I know that I have heard from two friends who have who actually one's a nurse and then one has a daughter who's a nurse and they're not sure they can make it. They're thinking they're not going to stay in the field. Yeah. And it's because they've been so traumatized by this experience. They're burnt out. And then for those of you who have people in your lives or yourself experience, you know, had COVID or you long hauler or you are around a lot of people who are unvaccinated or whatever it may be. Um, it's, I, I just, it kind of, it, it's another like brick, mm. you know, where I'm like, oh, that's not something I thought I'd be thinking about. Yeah. You know? I'm totally bummed. I know. And, and I feel like... Um, it's weird though, because, you know, we're recording this on August 9th and you told me that our daughter went to Lollapalooza a few weeks ago. She went to Friday of Lollapalooza. And you said that if that was happening this weekend, they would have canceled the festival. Yet at the same time, White Sox played the Cubs yesterday at Wrigley and there's 40,000 people there. So I don't, I believe the fact that things are regressing as far as what our freedoms are, yet at the same time, it se certain things have stayed exactly the same. Well, I think, think about it this way. I, it's not so much about, I am concerned about freedoms and, and our, you know, having to go back into some kind of, I don't think we'll lock down, but some kind of different format for yep. our days or our experiences. But it's more about that people are sick and dying. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, no, I have to wear a mask again. I don't mind wearing a mask. What I'm thinking is I, people are really struggling again. And we, as a country, our numbers in some states are like they were in February. Mm -hmm. And that's just really hard for me to wake up in the morning and read about. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm not alone. Um, and I don't have the same kind of personal fear that I had before where we had no vaccines and no medicines. I don't have that like existential kind of like, oh. but it's just, you know, I, your point is exactly what I'm worried about is it's like, how will we ever, um, you know, we just have to figure out like, do should we be doing this should and and I don't know what the answer is like yeah. you know is this truly a um an issue of people who are unvaccinated but we know it's not because we know that people who are vaccinated can carry the virus and and what does that mean for us as responsible human beings yep um so so I, I that's not I'm not laying fear like oh we need to worry about this again or be afraid it's just another thing that is making fall I'm like oh yeah I would have liked to have not gone into fall thinking with about that, that yeah yeah and i know everybody feels the same as i do and then um getting ready for school like i have one daughter going to college but then i have two one going to middle one is in middle school and one is in high school and that's that's a lot you know getting the books making sure we have what they need you know the emotional well-being of of them their schedules um you know doctor's appointments you took one of our daughters to the dentist today the other two are going next week haircuts yeah you know it's a lot that's going it's on it's just not summer ish you know, it's like a lot of scheduling and it just feels that way. Like we got to make lunches again, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, it sucks. I know. But, you know, we also 
believe me, I like summer too. Yes. And we get to vacation and all right. that other stuff. Yet at the same time, the cadence of a school year where the kids are... Right. And for any moms or dads that are listening and they have three-year, four-year-olds, they're like, hey, man, there's hey man. no... There's no school for me, so I feel for you. Well, and and that's what I mean is the reason I'm talking about this and I'm just being honest about the way I feel is I know this is a mountain or a hump or a mound of dirt or something that I have to get over Mm -hmm. because once I start the process, like, you know, turn the engine back on and get going, I'm fine. But the switch is what's hard for me. Yeah, and we just got to lean into it a little bit at a time if we can. Yeah. Kind of like what Skylar was saying, like, I'm just going to worry or prepare a little bit at a time. Because if she waits for it all the last day and then all of a sudden she has to do all the physical prep and the emotional prep, that yeah. may be too much transition. Right. So let's just lean into it. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I sometimes think that I just need to allow myself to feel that way. Yeah. Is that I know that you're the tools you're giving me or you're like, think about it this way, or these people don't have this problem or lean into it or, but sometimes it just a transition is a grieving period. And I would grieving summer and summertime blues. And I would like to, and I'm saying this to myself, not just to you, but I would like the space to do that rather than to think positive. Mm -hmm. Like there's a level of toxic positivity where it's like, Oh no, no, look at all the good things and just feel that way. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that, and and that does help a bit, but there's a denial of that this is hard. Yeah, because when you deny your feelings, or when I deny my feelings, just pushing that crap down, it's going to come out sideways down the line, so. Yeah, and if something's like rumbling, like there could be like a deeper reason, like I think sometimes we remember what it's like to go back to school, and I really actually liked school. I don't have a lot of like, you know, stories about this was horrible, or this year all these horrible things happened. I liked school pretty much, but it still was a hard transition. So I don't know if it's like childhood stuff. Like, do you remember, you know, going back to school and were you ready to go back to school after summer? The thing about school for me was I was always excited for the first day or the first week. And then you like that excitement wanes. You're like, oh, I got to do all this work now and there's homework. It's funny. We just did a survey with our daughters and nieces and we talked about the worst day of the week. And I thought for sure they would say Monday. Yeah. Monday's the worst day of the week. They, I think all of them said Sunday. And well, I said Tuesday and somebody said Tuesday too. But, but the other five or the other four said Sunday because of the Sunday blues. And it's funny. I was just on my, uh, headspace, uh, but they called it something different. Uh, the Sunday, you know, the Sunday blue, I don't know. It wasn't Sunday blues. Was, there's a, there's a whole meditation built for the Sundays. Wow. Um, which I thought was interesting, but of course that's the worst day of the week. I'm like, cause I'm like, well, what's wrong with Sundays? You don't have to go to school. You can watch football and you can play with your friends, but it's the anxiety that happens of what you're about to have to do for the next five days and all the homework that you didn't get done. Yes, and I I always call it anticipatory anxiety, which is the anticipation of things can be much, much worse than the actual experience, which is exactly what I am going through with the transition, is that there's an anticipatory anxiety of now I have a schedule, now I need to be more on, now I need to do more work. And and the truth is, I know once I get there, I'm just fine, mm-hmm. but I'm anticipating it. And this is what our kids experience before yeah. they go to a birthday party, before they start a new sport, before they you go on vacation and they, you know, sometimes kids work up a story in their heads and it's anticipation. So 
maybe the last whatever ten minutes or whatever. I, I know it's going to be a shorter podcast, but I want to just talk briefly about because this is a transitionary moment for uh-huh. most of us going into school, and it's an invitation for us all to look at how are we prioritizing our our own time and our children's time. And where I'm getting at that is I've I've had friends. And I think we all have these people in our lives and maybe there's some people listening that are like, this is AP course this and work that. And the amount of time that our kids are having to expend to be in this rat race of being a student Mm -hmm. and on the heels of Simone Biles, basically shutting herself down in the Olympics for her her own mental well-being. I think it's a wonderful, she is a wonderful model of, how are we uh, finding that balance for our kids to have downtime? So I just think that now, and we probably talked about this a dozen times on the podcast, but, you know, I can speak personally, our two of our daughters who've had opportunities to take AP courses, and sometimes they're like, well, I should take this many AP courses because that's what looks good on the college application. And what you and I have done has been to invite them to really think hard before they overcommit or overexert the amount of time that they are going to have to do. And it may not just be obviously school. It could. It's not just academics. It's it's sports. It's drama club. It's singing. And I just you know this is a wonderful time for us to make some decisions uh, for our family. And you and I are always, not always, most of the time thinking like, you know, go easy on yourself. This is a time where you need sleep. Where does sleep come? You know, we think grades are so important. Is sleep even on the priority list for us parents? Well, I, it probably is if you were to ask parents, but it's the reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I just wanted to riff off of the, uh, regarding that and just ask yourself and your family, how you're prioritizing mental wellness, sleep, eating, sports, academics, and have a discussion with your kids about it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Well, first of all, and, and this is just words, The when you were talking about Simone Biles, you said shut herself down. Mm-hmm. And I would say she actually didn't. She took herself out. Yeah, there you go. She didn't shut herself yeah. down because no one's focusing on that but me, I'm sure. But it's like it's a really big difference because she was like, I refuse to shut down, mm-hmm. so I'm going to make sure that I make myself a priority, which is what we all should be doing. And I was I was trying to look up, because when Julie Lithcott-Hames wrote um, How to Raise an Adult, I remember either somewhere in the book or during her talk, one of her talks that I saw, she was actually uh, one of our conference speakers, but she spoke about Real American, um, her second book. She said something about how AP courses, it really only makes a difference if you take two AP courses a semester. Yeah, there's not much between two and four. Yeah, so like if you're having your kids take like four or five, you're really not, they're not really getting some kind of huge benefit for college. Um, And what's important in this, this is not Todd and Kathy talking. This is Julia Lithgott-Ames, who's the former dean of freshmen for Stanford University. Right. These are words out of her mouth. Yeah, let's see. I'm trying to find. I actually pulled up an article, one of her, to see if I could find it. But I, I do you remember that conversation. I remember when she said it when she spoke at her high school. I don't remember because she didn't talk about that at our conference, but she talked about that at York High School. And she's like, "There's no, 
there's very little difference between a child who takes two AP courses versus four. Yeah, especially if they're taking it in the area where they excel, so they can really yeah. they can really sh- you know shine in that yeah. way rather than have to struggle through an AP course that they maybe should not be taking. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you. I think that um, during this time. I think the reason Todd wanted to talk about this is we are gearing up for a new year and where is your mindset as a parent? Um, I am going into this year similar to how I was last year that mental well-being is top priority for me for all three of my kids, the one that will be at college and then the two that will be here. Um, and what do I mean by that? I mean that I want them to feel like they're being that they have time to themselves. I want them to have time with us. I want to do dinners and I want to make sure that we have connection time every day. I want to make sure that they get good sleep. Like you said, um, you know, one of my daughters, my daughter's in high school. She now she's volunteering and she has a job. So you and I are going to have to kind of, and she's doing her own little AP journey herself. Yeah. So we kind of have to, it's not about us defining it for her, but like, being people around her who remind her. Well, and I think there's sometimes these kids think they're going to disappoint their parents. Right. So if we basically give her the license to right. go easy on herself, like, you know, I could either stay up an extra three hours and get an A on this test, or I could stay up an extra half hour and get a B. Take the B, get well, some sleep. And think about this, like, and again, I, you know, I'm being a wordsmith again, but like when you're saying take it you know, go easy on yourself. You and I say that all the time. So those words aren't, aren't in a, incorrect. But I think when we're talking to parents, it's not tell your kid to go easy on themselves. It's tell your kid, um, make sure you are an advocate for your kid's mental well-being and physical well-being for that matter. And so it's not about going easy. It's about going healthy. It's like you can, because I'm using words that I think so, parents- So somebody can weaponize when I say the going term easy. easy. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I, I think you're saying it with much more precision, but just... <laughs> well, Self-compassion, yeah. be compassionate towards yourself. Yeah. And if you are, if you just go in, if you're putting a lot of pressure on your kids and you're like, here's my expectation and here's how I think it should look and here's what I think you should do. And then one night they're stressed and you come in and go, oh, just take it easy. Mm-hmm. That is such a mixed message. And that you have all these expectations, but then when they're struggling or they're practicing compassion or they're having a hard time doing that. And you're like, well, I still expect these things from you, but take it easy. It, there, there has to be like that. That's very paradoxical and not in a necessarily well, a positive way. Every family is different. Right. Every set of students and parents do things differently. But I've said a million times to our kids, go easy on yourself. Yeah. And that's because I know my kids go to this high school that is has very high expectations. They're in peer groups. They have high, like they don't need that pressure from me. Mm-hmm. They're already putting it on themselves. So I just want to make sure that my daughters know that the the pressure to exceed and get into this school or that school or get a 5.0 or whatever, it ain't coming from me. Because if that's at the expense of your mental well-being, then it ain't worth it. Well, and that's the thing is that really what you're trying to do is create, shape a narrative for them. And the narrative is that your grades are awesome and you wanting to work hard is awesome and your desire to excel is awesome. All good. There's nothing bad in there. But your ability to take care of yourself, your ability to practice self-compassion, your ability to get sleep and your ability to have some joy and fun and laughter in your life are just as important. Yes. So the Balance. narrative is about like, think about it like a, 
you know, like a circle or a box, like you can draw it out for yourself. I see it visually of like, you have to have a lot of sides mm -hmm. to your life. You can't just be focused on one side. You can't just be focused on one part of the pie. You can't just, if your whole focus is I have to get these grades and there's no joy or you're overworking, then we're leading them astray because that's not life. Think about it too. These are kids. They're supposed to be joyful. Like if there's anybody supposed to be joyful, it's you know, I think it's harder for us grownups to be joyful than it is for our kids. Mm -hmm. And if for the parents that are listening that have first graders or second graders or younger ones, and you're saying to yourself, well, thank goodness I don't have to worry about that yet. True. And you're setting the precedent right now. Correct. Like for those of exactly like we can say, well, that's not an issue in first or second grade, but I've had three kids go through first or second grade and there is an element of that mm -hmm. in the classroom where parents are like, I don't just want them in this class. I want them in a more gifted class. I don't just want them to do this worksheets. Can you give me extra? Can we do tutoring? Can we, it, it starts early and go ahead. Sorry. It's all right. So I'm just, I'm just thinking somebody might be listening to this and they have the apathetic kid who's getting D's and doesn't want to do anything. Right. That's why I was trying to frame the box okay. because of what you were saying was just like, tell your kids yeah, to take yeah, it yeah, easy. Yeah, got it. And some kids are already taking it way too yes, easy. Yes. Got it. Got yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's the key is that what we're trying to do is give kids a framework of like, think about it this way, Todd, if a kid is playing video games all day and they're like doing joy and laughter on their headset all yep. day, amazing. Taking it easy is not good advice. Correct. And that's amazing that they're doing that, but they have to remember the balance, yeah. which is showing up for school, you know, and, and that means physically, but also just emotionally mm -hmm. and being willing to be responsible for their own work. Yeah. If it's too one-sided, the whole thing falls. In any direction. In any direction. And so it's just, and this is... The reason I think this can be so difficult is this is not what society preaches. We preach them in very like, we say these things in very fragmented ways, like achieve, excel, don't be lazy, don't sit down, do more than you have to, but oh, you know, don't forget to make your mental wellness a priority. And it's fragmented. Yeah. It's like we're trying to be, we're trying to have all of them be at the top of we're trying to be at the top of our game in every way. And there has to be push and pull. There has to be like Simone Biles is a perfect example of like, she actually chose to say, I'm going to take myself out, got whatever she needed, support, sleep, time away and went back in yeah. and got a bronze medal. But she didn't say the only reason I'm here is to get the gold. Part of me is glad that she got the bronze and not the gold. Oh, she was so proud of herself because she got a bronze in that a uh, few years or last Olympics mm. too. So she was very Like content. it's almost like, because if she would have gotten the gold, that have been, I don't know, it almost like too storybooky. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like it doesn't always work out where you win everything. And Simone probably is so happy that she got a bronze this way than a gold that way. I think that is exact. I don't know if she said that like literally, but I think from everything I've read, that's exactly the the story yeah. and how it's been framed is that she's so proud. Yeah. And she, it I was- I would be too. That's harder. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Think of the amount of pressure that woman has put on herself her entire life for the 2020 slash 21 Olympics. And the fact that she removed herself for self-care, like probably, I'm guessing the hardest decision, or maybe it was the easiest decision. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I would guess it was a very 
tough decision for her to make. And you know, in some ways, Todd, from we talked about her last week, I don't know if there was a decision. Yeah. Maybe she's like, there, it, maybe this is, hey, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I've got the twisties. Right. If you're not sure where you're going to land, you're not like, hey, should I do this triple black backflip? Yeah. Like, no, like yeah. you're not going to do it because you can't. And that's, you know, and she called that, like, it's funny because I feel like now we could frame that as physical and mental. Yeah. But when she first came out, you remember when the reports were first coming out that she wasn't going to participate, she was like, it's, you know, people were saying she was hurt. And she's like, no, it's not. I wasn't hurt. I'm doing this for my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And then everybody jumped all over yeah. that because no, it, this is it. A, Another example. She of, could kill herself landing on her head or her neck or whatever. Like, exactly. Crazy. So it's really a physical choice, but people are were so indoctrinated yeah. with achieve and don't just achieve for yourself, achieve for other people, achieve for us, achieve so we can be proud, achieve so we can live through you. Yeah. And then we get mad when people don't do that. But we we don't expect that of ourselves. Or sometimes we do and we have our own, you know, you know challenges because of that, or we have our own breakdowns or we have our own physical ailments. So I think what the gist of this show is, if I was going to wrap it up, it would be that transitions are hard, but sometimes that difficulty or the uncertainty gives you space to decide how you want this year to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it can be hard. Um, because you have to make decisions yeah. and you have to set new boundaries and you have to be willing to rise to new experiences and you have to be like willing to be that advocate, either the advocate who speaks up for your kid at school or the advocate for your kid in that you tell them to go to bed on time and not stay up till one or you become an advocate where you have to go in and ask for an IEP or a, you know, 504 plan, or you have to, um, we are now back in this situation where we are, we're just back in the rhythm. So, yeah. And and I appreciate how you kind of like summed everything up and if I could sum it up or maybe not sum it up, but like give one last bit of advice to myself and anybody else listening is, um, whatever, advice you want to give to your kids about school or too much school or not enough school or sleep or joy, whatever you have for your kids, turn that same feedback inwards and see how you can start changing things up in your own life. Because, you know, we say on every show, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Within that is modeling, modeling, modeling. So it's important that we guide these young people that are in our lives in the best way we know how, but it's also just as important as not to forget about our own ability to find joy or my own ability to find joy or my own ability to get good sleep or my own ability to either take it easy or sometimes pick it up. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, what am I going to do this? Like you're, cause you're saying, you know, we have to do this. So, and you still, you have a lot of skills already. It's not like you have to start from scratch. You have a lot of good self-care tools already, but what, like, you know, is this transition not a I'm trying to think of, you? it's easy. Let's, let's start with this. Any advice I think I might end up giving. Okay. So one of my bits of advice that I would give to my daughters is quit worrying so much. Mm-hmm. So instead of me continuing to pound them on the quit worrying so much about school because it's only eighth grade or it's only junior year or whatever, and it's just school, all the crap that I worry about, 
I want to turn that towards me and say to myself, quit worrying so much. Whatever it is that I'm worrying about, money, um, friends, um, Zen parenting listenership, whatever it is. So I don't know how I'm going to integrate that, but I'm going to try to remember like, okay, everything, all these things I want to point out in my kids, like not worrying about school, what is it that I worry about and how do I cultivate a, a, how do I cultivate the behavior of not worrying so much? Well, and I would say, cause I, I like everything you just said about, you know, realizing that a lot of times what we're asking other people to do is what we need to do. Um, but I think that, you know, it can, it can sound really pragmatic to say, I worry, so I, I should stop worrying. It's like, what are you worried about? And, and when you're worrying, what is your, what is your concern? Like you dig into the worry. Mm, yeah. Like, that's why I wanted to talk about transitions because I, I realize that some, it's not worry. That's just, you know, how when you have kind of that kind of anxiety where you're not quite sure where it's coming from, it's not that for me. Like I know exactly <laughs> where it's coming from, but there's still like, cause all those things I told you at the beginning of the show, this is, I've got to, you know, up my game mm-hmm. in every way, shape and form. And, and I'm going to have to say goodbye to my kid and my kids are going to have regular school struggles and I'm going to have to deal with that. <laughs> you know, it's just, it just, everything gets ramped up. And so I know what I'm nervous about, but then after that, it's the question is, and why does that make you nervous, Kathy? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think could happen then that, cause I know the answer to that for me is that I think I'm going to miss something. Mm. Like, that's what I'm nervous about. And in the summer. And if you miss something, somebody might get hurt. Yes, but it's really just if I miss something, then I'm not being, then there's something wrong with me. You're not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough mom, right? It's really that deep. Yeah, so I think what you're saying is do the work. Right. Like, Yeah, don't just stop worrying. Get get inquisitive about not just me not worrying, but what's underneath all of it. Because asking, you know, it's similar to last week, you know how we talked about anxiety to excitement? Yeah. You can't be anxious and then tell someone to not be anxious. Yeah. You also don't always have to move to excitement. Like we talked about last week, sometimes that's helpful. But in this situation, it's like, what is that? And, and you know, not every day needs to be the deepest journey into it, but I really do know what mine is. Yeah. Like the transition that I feel is, is it's, it's a feeling and it's like, okay, I got to up my game and take care of my people. Yeah. And, and one is going to be far away and the other two are going to have big life experiences and, and, you know, you and my mom and, you know, there's just, a, I got to up my game yeah. and that in itself is anxiety provoking. Yeah. So, but do I believe we're capable of it? Of course. Yeah. I know I am, but the bottom line is, is it's okay to feel nervous about it and it's okay for you to feel nervous and the girls, but it's, um, and, you know, like I said, you already have a lot of tools in place. You already do a lot of things. Well, and I'm just looking at like a questionnaire that I use when I'm coaching clients. And let's like for me, let's say it's about worry. Um, these are some of the questions I would ask myself from the past. This reminds me of. So right. when you're talking about doing your work. Mm-hmm. So these are some questions I should ask myself from the past. This reminds me of. So like, w- like, what does this worry remind me mm-hmm. of? I keep this issue going by blank. Mm-hmm. What I get from keeping this issue going is Mm -hmm. the lifelong pattern I'm noticing is. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I can take 100% responsibility for this issue by creating an action step. That's one example of a line of questions that we can ask ourselves 
when we notice in somebody else that we're pointing out, those that's an example of a certain amount of questions that we can do the work or get underneath it or dig deeper. So anyway. Yeah. And, and this is where it gets fun and really paradoxical. And this is, I'm going to talk about my book again for a second. It's called Zen Parenting and it's about how paradoxical everything is, yeah. right? Um, that's one part of it. And what I love is that it's okay to feel feelings of anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to shed tears about it. It's okay to want to sleep a little more or to really get introspective. That is okay. It is also okay to investigate why and to maybe decrease that anxiety or to um, really talk to somebody about it or to write about it or to journal about it, that it's not you either have it or you don't, or you either do the right thing or the wrong thing. It's you can have a good cry and also investigate it. Or you can give yourself like our daughter is a few days mm -hmm. to be like, I, I am going to concern myself with this a little bit and maybe call it preparation rather than worry. And that's okay. And the, but the big piece is, is be willing to look at the heart of it rather than the outside of yeah. it. Instead of just say, I have anxiety period. It's like, I'm feeling anxious about mm -hmm. this thing because of, you know, all your questions, because it reminds me of this. And because I'm just used to feeling this way or the, the fall, the season, just the smells outside trigger these emotions. Yeah. There's this real stuff. There's almost always something underneath. Always an issue we're stuck on. Correct. And sometimes we see it in ourselves, but sometimes we're so blind to it. It's a blind spot what we see it in everybody else. Right. And everybody else, when they have it, it makes us anxious. Yeah. We'll, we'll be like, listen, you need to get through this. Why are we saying that? Because we don't want them to bring it to us because we're still dealing with ours right. or not dealing with it. Yeah. So transitions, maybe we'll call the show. School transitions, no? Uh, what was the other? Transitions and then you talk and plans. Transitions and plans? I don't know. Uh, priorities. I talked about priorities. Transitions and priorities? Yeah, we'll figure it it's out. It's not too exciting. We'll figure it out. Okay. Um, all right. So a few things. One is men living. I'm the executive director of this amazing men's organization. It's a virtual and in-person community of guys connecting deeply and living fully. We have no requirements, no creeds, no gurus, no judgments. All you have to do is show up and join us. Go to menliving.org if you want to learn more. And then the bald-headed beauty, Jeremy Kraft, um, he does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Uh, his website is avidco.net. His phone number is 630-956-1800. And then I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching for guys. So if there's any guys out there and want to get some one-on-one -on -one support, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Uh, anything else, sweetie? That's a, that's it for today. All right. Uh, we said we were going to go real short, and it was 53 minutes. So. That's, about, that's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Keep drugging. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners in an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. Team Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Team Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. 
I am one of the founders of the group and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking. Thank you.